five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. Podcast on the internet. Shame on you if you can't pass through. That was uh, Shirley and Company. Some of you might actually remember that song. It was a bit of a it was a bit of a hit uh, in the seventies, and um, I don't know. I, I kind of find that song to be uh, a little funky. And infectious, actually. And you know, you know what I love about that song? They got the uh, kind of the Bo Diddley beat in there, that dent, 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 right? Then they've got this weird fiddle solo in the middle of the song. I'm like that is like weird. It's it's genius, totally genius, uh, and weird. And you have these two really high voices that are bordering on screech, but they're not quite at screech. They're, they're at like maximum screech control. Um, just, a you know, a, an interesting, funky, groovy novelty hit. Okay, now here's a little backstory on that song. That song was produced by perhaps one of the most influential people in the history of modern music. And you may, when I, when I, when I give you the backstory, you may say, well, geez, could we have done without it? But it was produced by Sylvia Robinson, and that is considered to be one of the first disco songs. So you've got like three kind of disco songs that are competing for the, the title as like the first disco song. One I played yesterday, uh, which was uh, uh, the disco text of the Sex Alets tune. Uh, which they, I, I didn't want to play the video of Disco Tex in the second because it sucks. And it's from Top of the Pops, and Jimmy Savile introduces it. I, just, I didn't want to see Jimmy Savile's face. Um, so Keep on Dancing, that was the uh, Soul Train rendition. Then you have Van McCoy, The Hustle. And then there's this track. And this, I think this comes out around 1974, right around the same time as Disco Tex. And it and it kind of launches the disco era, and she, you know she's talking about dancing all night, right? And so, why is Sylvia Robinson important? Well, she produces that track. She has a label, and she pretty much catapults disco into the mainstream. The other thing that Sylvia Robinson is known for is the birth of hip hop. Because she's the same person that produces the Sugar Hill Gang, which has the the, the huge, huge hip hop song 
uh, double Dutch, whatever the fucking name is, right? So she's responsible for launching two significant genres in the history. But whether you like them or not, right? Like whether you are into disco or you're into um, hip hop, like just put that aside. You know, we think of people like Brian Epstein, not Brian Epstein, George Martin, or um, who else would be, uh, Brian Wilson, right? Like um, who else would, would kind of be in that category? Maybe, maybe Jimmy Page and, you know, the, the real like Phil Spector, producer, trendsetter, music types that have left their imprimatur on modern music but sylvia robinson is rarely mentioned and she might be as influential and as important as those figures maybe not as artistically um, savvy or steep but she knew she knew when something was about to go hot and she was there right before it got hot and got the records on the platter before it got and this and the the the, the whole hip hop thing with the Sugar Hill Gang was quite interesting how she figured that whole thing out and that of course set the whole hip hop and rap world on fire so kind of an interesting little tidbit in the history of music the other thing that she is uh, responsible for is the mayor of Atlanta, Keisha Lance Bottoms. I'm, I'm pretty sure that's her, right? That's her daughter. Nobody nobody really talks about that either. So I guess some creations are better than others. Um, let me just make sure that I've got the right connection here with her. Um, Keisha Lance Bottoms. Let's go to the wiki. Yeah, that's her. I've talked, I, I did a kind of a breakdown on this thing. Um, let's see, born January 18th, 1970. Uh, her father was Major Lance, who was a recording artist on uh, Sylvia Robinson's label. Let me go into her private personal life. Doesn't really talk much about it. But that's her mother. Uh, Bottoms family history can be traced back five generations to Shepherd Peak, a freedman from a plantation near Crawfordville, who may have served in the Georgia State Legislature during Reconstruction. Her husband is the vice president of employment and practices and associate relations for the Home Depot. They don't really get into, like, they kind of buried her. Uh, so here's her father, Major Lance. And you can see here uh, that he was connected. He So he was not married to Sylvia Robinson. Um, but you can see it here. I'll show you just for clarification, edification. 
Major Lance was married to uh, Christine Boular Lance. He sired nine children. Who the fuck uses the word sire now? He sired nine children by different women. Lance died in 1984 in his sleep from heart disease in Decatur. He was buried at Washington Memory Gardens uh, Cemetery in Homewood, Illinois. His daughter with Sylvia Robinson, not the singer-songwriter. So now we're, we're separating it out. Oh, okay. I don't believe that. I think it was, I think it was her because he actually recorded for her. Sorry, not buying it. Not buying it. Why? Let's see. Because Keisha Bottoms' aunt is another Robinson. Uh, anyway, not buying it. I think Sylvia Robinson's her brother. They're clear. Oh, no, no. He didn't do it. How is everybody today? Uh, I have both cats with me. I have the Astro Cat and the Astro Cat. They're they are now a duo. And um, how you doing, Peach? How do you like your new role over here? Do you feel like you're accepted now? I think you do. All right, let's check in uh, with Chataria. Let's see what we got here. Here's my man. Michael, isn't there a song called Morning to Michael? Good morning to Michael. Isn't there a song like that? Let me just see. Now I got to go off to OCD territory. Let's see. Good morning to Michael. Is that right? Is that right? Uh, let's see. We got here. What happened to Michael from Good Morning America? There is a song called Good Morning Michael. I did not know Michael Strahan has been gone from Good Morning America. Mr. Gaptooth. All right, let's see what else we have here. Um, Kelly B's here. Sony's here. Hi, Sony. When he says, oh, perfect game made my night. There you go. I'm glad, I'm glad you're Yankees feasted off of the pathetic A's. Um, a highlight in a season of lowlights for, for the Bronx Bombers. Uh, let's see. Who else do we have here? Catherine Kramer. What's going on, KK? We got KK and CC. Long time. We're glad you're back. Father time. Right on time. Mary Lee is here. Uh, Fran, CC Jones, Thor at the door. There's my man, Steve. It is Thor's day. That guy looks like Jack Black. So that guy's name was Javier Vasquez. And he changed his name to Jesus Vasquez and became a pastor. It kind of works. He rebranded himself. Looks like the crossroad deal for Madonna is coming due. Yeah. 
not just Madonna, but apparently Angel Angelina Jolie is in the hospital with some form of cancer. And you got Jamie Foxx. We're going to talk a little bit about that today. Um, let's see who else do we have. The Phoenix Funk Train. Is that Post Malone's father? I don't think so. I, I don't I don't think so. Although I can see where you might want to, I can see where there might be some resemblance. Tomas is here. Good morning, Tomas. Uh, Nicholas Grimm, back in action. Good to see you. King Charles activates the climate countdown clock. By the way, where is Greta? Greta is like in a fucking foxhole because she had predicted that the world would have ended by now. And of course, it didn't. So I think there was a big tweet around it and she had to remove the tweet. It's like, you know, please. Just just go 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 back into the macaroni and cheese box you climbed out of. Have you have you seen King Charles's fingers? After spending time around my mother, who's having a hard time of uh, getting rid of the fluid out of her body. Her hands resemble King Charles's hands, or vice versa. I'm wondering if he's got the same issue, or whether or not he's just got sausage length for fingers. Uncle Buck 411 is here. CC Jones, I remember the song. It's kind of a cool little song, isn't it? I like that weird little fiddle solo in the middle. So repetitious, it's meditative. Yeah, it's got, and Shirley could sing, man. She could sing. Uh, those dance moves, hoping with. Shirley could move too. Um, Javier, not too bad. Not too bad. I really like that song. I don't remember ever hearing it before. Yeah, it was kind of a minor hit, but it launched the disco era. Let's see, more moves than X-Lax. Shirley Barter. Uh, no, I think it's the other way around. I think Al borrowed the outfit from Shirley. Al hasn't done anything uh, original in his life for a long time. Uh, let's see, who else do we have here? Leela, LMM. LMM, what's happening? Stole the X-Lax line from Cheech and Chong. Let's see, who else do we have? Uh, Beth Berry, did I say hi to Beth already? Not, you get it twice. Lisa W's here, D Tiffer, what's going on, darling? I've been, I've been sampling the cuisine of San Antonio because I've been uh, going there on an almost daily basis to... Uh, Spend some time with the old bird with their new ticker up ticker. And um, man, I had a really good meal last night in San Antonio. And uh, I'm going to have to go back to this restaurant. It's called Maria Bonitas. It was extremely festive. They had a mariachi band. They had... Uh, chicken mole enchiladas, I would say Maria Bonita's gets about a 8.59 out of 10. Thumbs up Maria Bonita's. It's on my list. 
Uh, let's see who else do we have. Shame, 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 shame on you. Do the hustle. Uh, let's see. Hey, Bo's here. Wendy, seeing progress for sure. Pump house is operational. Completed my deep water well yesterday. And now have water to my house. Awesome. Way to go, Bo. Good job. Uh, let's see. Who else do we have here? Astral. Yeah, Peachy's the astral cat. Peachy, you're such a trip. I tell you, we've got all these cats around here now. The neighbor cat has decided to move in. And I had a St. Francis moment with the neighbor cat. <laughs> because. <coughs> Excuse me. I've always considered the neighbor cat a bit of a nuisance. That he always comes over here. He always steals food. And. Um, but he's just been spending more and more time over here. It's like, it's like every time I look around, he's here. What are you doing here? And so for a long time, I've been shooing him off. A couple of days ago, I just walked up to him and started petting him. And he was like thirsty. He was thirsty for affection. Now he lives behind me. And the, so the people that live behind me have money. It's not just one person. It's, it's sort of like the barn. It, it's, they're not barn dominiums, but they're like five acre plots. And people have horses and shit on their property. And some of them do have barns and houses. Um, so there's money back there. So he lives in a place where the people have money. And yet he likes to hang out over here. And um, so I started petting him and he was, he just, he was just soaking it up like a, like a dry sponge. And I said to myself, you, you have to let him into your heart. So now I feed him, I feed him as well. And he's here all the fucking time now. So we've got the two indoor cats. We've got the barn cat, who's a fixture. We've got the neighbor cat, who seems to be a fixture now. And then we have the feral cat who comes by at least once or twice a day to get fed. So, so now I'm up to five cats. It's kind of, it's kind of getting a, a bit ridiculous in some ways with the whole cat thing. I never set out to be a cat person. It was not, it was not, it was not on my bingo card. Jasper showed up here because my ex-wife was going to give him away. And my kid was really attached to him and Rosie. So what did I do? I said, okay. I was in a place in my life where I didn't want any more pets. I was like, I'm free. No more pets. I can come and go. It's like, oh, yeah, the kids have left. So I took them, and that was in um, 2011. Now it's 2013. Jasper, I think, is about 12 years old. Um, and, of course, dear Rosie passed last year. And then Peachy just showed up. And she just showed up. And now she's now she's here. The barn cat was already here. There was another barn cat that passed away. So so now we have the neighbor cat who goes by the name of Pippin. 
And I feel like Pippin is now the stand-in for the cat that passed away. Like they need each other. Because I think because I know Pippin shares a home with a bunch of other cats. So he's just another cat there. But here he's got a buddy, and I think he has like, I don't know, the potential for just more recognition. And then the feral cat, she's been around for about, I don't know, a year and a half now. And she gets she's getting closer. It's pure black, pure black cat. But I never started off to to be the, this like cat guy. I'm not ashamed of it though. Right, Peachy? I, I'm kind of a cat whisperer, I think. Yeah. I'm a cat whisperer. Yeah. All right. Let's see what else we have here. Um, did we get to the end yet? Let's see. Use mortar oil and diesel paint. Ooh, good. Uh, let's see. Um, bu 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 I'm so sick of the idiots running this realm. Don't worry, that too shall pass. Thank you, friend. It's cancer season for me. So far, so good. Hello, Marie NYC. Marie NYC. Uh, who else do we have? Anybody else? Anybody else? Anybody else? Back in 2018, 2019, I used to watch Joni Patry a lot. Not so much now. Anyway. She was saying that the Hollywood people die off, many and rapid. Yeah, I think when they cut off the blood supply. Um, yeah, Mary Lee, you're in the same position as my mother. Did you say mole? Oh, man. Holy mole. Holy mole. That's what I'm talking about. Uh, good morning. This is Lori P. I totally relate to adventures with your mom. I'm going do the very same thing. My 87-year-old mom has bounced back. I'm telling you, man, it's this Pluto and Cancer generation, also known as the silent generation. Let me tell you one of the things that has um, contributed to their longevity, lack of vaccinations. This was a generation that had a serious lack of vaccinations. Their immune systems are better than the majority of everybody else that has started to get vaxxed up and jacked up since, I would say, like post-1965. Really, the big one is post-1985. That fucker Reagan, he, he was a fucking traitor. He basically gave all of the uh, pharmaceutical companies immunity. That was it. Once they signed off on that, once they signed off on that, game over. They just started ramping up the vaccine schedule with no regard for any kind of um, oversight or, or even potential compensation for the vaccine damaged. It was Reagan. You know, all these people, oh, Reagan was such a 
the president. Oh, he was the last great American president. I didn't think Reagan was that great. I never liked Reagan. I wasn't into politics at the time. I'm still not really into politics. But Reagan was not all that. Maybe he was before they, before they killed him and cloned him. I mean, it was amazing how fast there was an assassination on Reagan. It was like, he was sworn in in February, and he gets shot in March. Are you kidding me? It, 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 it like the, the his signature on whatever kind of document he has to sign as president was barely dry. And the next thing you know, he's in he's in the freaking hospital. And you know that was all pre-social media too, and you know way pre-social media. Could you imagine if something like that happened today with one of our so-called presidents with social media? The the world would just be upside down. Well, it already is upside down. It'd be on fire. Who else do we have here? Uh, let's see. Anybody new? Anybody new? Anybody new? I've come to think the Vedic uh, astrology predictive timing is way, way off. It is off. It is off. It's way off. Way off. And um, I don't know. I, you know, I don't know. I'm not. Here's my deal with Vedic astrology. I'm not from India. That is not my system. Am, 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 am I being... Um, I don't know. Am I, and I'm being too narrow-minded here. I don't think so. I'll tell you why. The other reason I don't think Vedic astrology is like most Indian astrologers, Vedic astrologers, they're really fatalistic. They're so fucking fatalistic. If you don't have the right chart, you're just fucked. Well, very bad, very bad. Very, very, very bad. Uh, Rahu was in this dasha when you were born, and I'm sorry. You will never, never amount to anything in this lifetime. Go, go work at Starbucks. You will be happy there. I'm exaggerating a little bit, but it's also, I think, kind of true. And the same thing, I think, holds true for sidereal, which is kind of in the Veda camp, because we're, we're dealing with um, lunation versus solar. Um, you know, I have done my own little experiments on Placidus and Western versus Sidereal. And the ones that I've done actually fit, right? Like, so I'll give you an example. Mick Jagger. Mick Jagger is a Leo. Doesn't that fit? Doesn't Mick Jagger as a Leo fit? Well, if you put him into sidereal, Mick Jagger's a cancer. Sorry, Mick Jagger's a cancer. <laughs> it, just, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. I mean, you could just use these, you know, little uh, sort of snippets to try to gauge and calculate mundane events versus the two systems. 9-11 is another one. 9-11 happens with Saturn in what? Gemini. What are you dealing with? Twin Towers. If you go into sidereal, where's Saturn? It's in Taurus. Like, that doesn't really fit. 
I admit I'm biased, but when I do these little experiments, it seems to pan out that, that we're dealing with a Western Placidus model, even if it's not aligned to the 13 constellations. Anyway, a little sidetrack there. Um, let's see. Who else do we have? Anybody else here? Pippin needs Pippin needs some love. I decided to turn the corner on Pippin. Pippin's my guy now. Let's see. I am the cat whisperer. Yes. If there is a cat shepherd, it has fallen upon my shoulders. I never asked for it. I have never asked for uh, the the great gift and responsibility of being a cat. That's how it works. That's how it works. The thing that you really are just not looking for in life, and all of a sudden the the mantle of responsibility falls upon your shoulder. Kind of like John Denver in that movie, uh, what was it, God or whatever it was. George Burns plays God. Uh, let's see. Who else we have? He is my cat on a hot I got a really cool picture of Pippin. Let me see if I can I can find it here. I took this the other night. It's a really cool picture. Let me see. 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 All right, here we go. I'm going to I'm going to share a little uh, Pippin moment here. I'm proud of my my little new little reprobate cat. Here we go. I feel like I'm a father showing off the pictures of his grandkids. Grandfather with his grandkids. All right, let me see if I can get the the Pippin thing in here. It's actually kind of a cool picture. I have no idea what this thing on the top is. Uh, it might be just be a, a light effect or it could be uh, the overlighting spirit of Pippin. But uh, here, I'll show you. So there's Pippin. I came home and there he is. He's like laying on top of my car. He doesn't have a fucking care in the world. Look at him. And again, I have no idea what this thing is. It could just be a lighting effect. But uh, that's the new member of the crew. Pippin. I used to call him Double Dippin' Pippin because he would eat there and eat here at the same time he's just chilling man he's just chilling there you go a little pippin visual all right let's get on with the show shall we on with the show so i guess we're going to talk about madonna story around madonna she was found unresponsive and they had to rush her to the hospital where she was intubated. Now, I have no idea 
um, what's going on in her recovery or if she'll ever recover. But it's interesting in terms of symbolism because Madonna is a Leo. And as she was kind of rising through the ranks of pop stardom, Michael Jackson at that time was called the king of pop, which I never really thought of Michael Jackson as a king. Doesn't really work. Maybe the prince of pop. So, of course, Madonna had to rebrand herself. If there was a king of pop, there had to be a queen of pop. And, that, and so I don't know who gave her the title. Maybe she gave it to herself. She seems like that kind of person. And Madonna really dominated the charts pretty much all the way through the mid-90s and even to some extent the early 2000s. So she came on the scene when I was around maybe 22, 23, and she had the Borderline video, uh, which I think was her first big hit and she was hanging out in new york city and um of course making connections and eventually she hooked up with nile rogers and nile rogers uh produced her first record and she convinced him to do it and he didn't want to do it and i think um she played like a virgin and Initially, he didn't like the song. So he said, let me, let, me, let me play around with this. And so he did. And, you know, Nile Rodgers has the golden touch. So that's where she really starts. And, and her career has a... So we have the majority of the 80s. She's huge. She's still really big in the 90s. She's got 20 years. And there's this interesting moment with Madonna where she does that Ray of Light record. And she's, and it feels to me like she's making this pivot, right? She's studying yoga in meditation. There, uh, William Orbit winds up producing the record. I think Ray of Light is a great record. And I think it's her best record. And it feels, it's, it's, it's like, wow. Madonna's found God, or at least a, a kind of a metaphysical version of God. But then there's also some weird stuff that comes out around um, around that record. And apparently, William Orbit became obsessed with Madonna. And the, the rumor has it is that he lost his he, he lost his marbles. And if you look at William Orbit's um, production after that it just goes away i think he tried to do a weird sort of electronica classical crossover record and that was it he was done um the strange cargo stuff with william orbit is amazing like really amazing and that's why madonna hired him because he had this great ability to fuse beats and kind of atmospheres and samples tremendous 
his first couple records are not that good. Strange Cargo 1 and 2 are okay. Strange Cargo 3, whole other level. But he winds up losing his mind. So it's almost as if there's an unintentional sacrifice for Ray of Light. And it's it's William Orbit. It hit, it's his career. And then she follows that up with essentially a, a, a dance record. Um, and the guy who puts it together is this French DJ producer. I forget his name. And she's got kind of a big hit with that record. I think um, Ali G, also known as Sasha Barra Cohen, is in one of the videos. It's an animated video. So there's that crossover. And I think it's around that time um, that she's introduced to um, uh, Guy, what's his name? Guy Ritchie. Because she's hanging out in London. William Morbid is British, by the way. She's hanging out in London and she's at a dinner party with Trudy Styler and Sting. And they're playing matchmaker. So Guy Ritchie and Madonna meet at this dinner party. And then, of course, they become an item. Uh, and then they have a, a kid together. His name is Rocco. And then eventually, uh, Guy Ritchie, you know, wakes up and smells the napalm and wants out because she's fucking nuts. Madonna's nuts. And they have this really contentious divorce, custody battle, and Rocco winds up staying with Guy Ritchie in London. And so Nance just Madonna and Lourdes, her daughter. And really from that point forward, her career... Um, is a lot less relevant, honestly. And she goes on this Madame Max tour, and and it just doesn't really. It's it's it almost feels like she's trying to play out the 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 end of her deal, right? Which is record. She has the big Super Bowl moment, the Super Bowl ritual, where she's ISIS. And she, you know, goes into the underworld. That's a huge, huge ritual. And I remember I did a massive breakdown on that ritual. And the NFL made me take my uh, my video breakdown down. Because the NFL doesn't allow people to use their shit. Unlike the NBA. And the NBA doesn't care. You can use their stuff. The NFL is really still white and uptight about that stuff. But there's that, the end of that video where she literally goes to hell like she drops down into the stage the bottom of the stage and goes to hell and i think she has uh Nicki minaj and the artist mia who's part of the video now mia has become a christian right she's she's left all that other stuff behind she's become a christian because she I, mia found some shit out Nicki Minaj, on the other hand, I don't know. Nicki, good luck. You 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 did your best with the old jibber jab. They eventually shut you down. Um, but that's an interesting video when Madonna goes to hell. 
And I think in a lot of ways, it's a, a turning point for her and not in a good way. It's like she's literally going to exit the scene and she's still around and still doing things, but she's hardly relevant. Her music is not relevant. And she's kind of cashing in this whole kind of Madame X sort of whatever the fuck that is. Like, is she like some sort of super spy? Um, it's, just, it's just weird, right? It's just totally weird. And, and, and so you have to ask yourself, like, is, is it part and parcel of being a Leo and she just doesn't want to leave the spotlight? Does she have to live to the letter of the law of her deal and just keep fucking touring and doing stupid shit for Satan until the moment like this comes? I, I mean, it, I've always felt, and I've said this before, when somebody gets really famous, like there's a peak and then there's the other side of the mountain. Clearly, Madonna, after 2006, roughly, 2004, 2005, she's on the other side of the mountain. And I've always been of the mindset that at a certain point, just stop doing what you're doing. Like, just stop it. You've made a shit ton of money. Go open a restaurant. Now, I think she did open a hotel in Miami. I don't know if she still owns it or not. But Madonna was responsible for, in some ways, for the resurgence of Miami. Because Miami was like, you know, in the 80s, totally fucking seedy, right? You had the, the, the drug cartels moved in. There was a lot of murders, violence. There was a lot of cocaine, a lot of shoddy buildings being built. Because they had to launder the cocaine money. Miami was not a destination in the 80s. If anything, you wanted to stay away from Miami. And then she comes in and she buys a hotel. And all of a sudden now people want to start to go to Miami. So she's pretty influential in a lot of ways in the resurgence of Miami. I don't know if she still owns that hotel. But it's like, just go start a restaurant. That's what Boss Skaggs did. He started a nightclub. Great idea. Feel like playing every now and then. You got your own little stage. You know, hire some musicians and you know do some jams. But you know, create a stage for other people, make some money. You know, I mean, I think at some point that's what people who are in that world need to. But they, in a lot of ways, they can't. It's sort of like you know the boxers. Like it was really sad watching all the you know, fight well past his expiration. He had to, though, because he was in financial trouble. Don King stole a lot of his money. So I, I think it's interesting, like, somebody like Mike Tyson has made that pivot. And we're getting a little off track. But if Madonna does pass away, I mean, we've established that she's the unofficial uh, queen of pop. And what, what is it like on a symbolic level for somebody like Madonna to pass away? I think it's interesting. It's very interesting. I mean, we know that she's tied to dirty Hollywood and the dirty side of the music business and all the, the ritual stuff. I think it's significant. And it's not that I'm rooting for Madonna's demise, I, you know, whatever. And I could, I'm not invested one way or the other. 
but on a symbolic level it's like oh interesting this person who has she was kind of like the original i would say the original miley cyrus and you know that miley cyrus like just dosed heavily on madonna as a kid and i wouldn't say that madonna has been a positive for the culture you know that her music has always trended towards um a fairly high degree of decadence not that you have to be squeaky clean but i would say that her influence ultimately has been a net negative net negative So when she passed, if she passes, water well, passed at some point. I think it is a cultural marker. Like something ends. I mean, clearly this idea, and she might be the most famous female music artist of all time. I I I I, I struggle to put somebody else uh, above Madonna. If I had to really and people say, what about Janis Joplin? Janis Joplin made about two or three records. And she was great, but, you know, she doesn't have the same cultural impact as Madonna. Maybe if you bundled all these country and Western singers together, like, you know, Patty Page and Loretta Lynn and uh, Dolly Parton and Patsy Cline, put them all together, you might get a Madonna. Um, I'm just trying to think of anybody else. Diana Ross. Even Diana Ross, her career kind of falls off the shelf somewhere around 1980. Like after 1980, she's just no longer relevant. And she had a good run, don't get me wrong. You know, from the 60s to the 80s, that's a good run. But again, she's, I don't think she's in Madonna territory in terms of, Madonna's an icon. You have one, you have one name. One word name, you're an icon. Cher's an icon, but she's still not Madonna. So I, I think the symbolic passing of Madonna is very interesting. The other thing that we know about Madonna is that she was heavily in the Kabbalah, you know, the, the little red, little red thing, little red uh, wristlet. And if you guys, Remember, um, I had the show on Sunday night with, God, I apologize. I, I, I space out on her name, but she was the woman. And I, I, I it, what was her name? Was it Joni? Anyway, it, she was the woman that, that uh, basically decoded the Bible and, and said that the entire Bible is an instruction manual. If you understand it correctly, to unlock the powers of Jesus, right? Opening the seals. Do you, do you remember that? Well, she said something very interesting. And it's something that I, I had heard in another forum somewhere. And she said that the Kabbalah in the tree of life is missing four gates. And they're the water gates. Do you remember that? 
I had heard that somewhere else. And I had heard that the uh, Kabbalah, that people like Madonna and all these other Hollywood people were, were engaged in was not the right version of the Kabbalah. And the teachers of the Kabbalah and all these Kabbalah centers knew that. Right, that they were giving them an inc- you you know who else talks about this is that guy Tim Tim Rifat Rifat the crazy motherfucker that's on Jeff Rentslot. He said the same thing. He said that they are getting uh, a uh, lesser version of the Kabbalah, and as a result of that, everything they're doing with it is not only doomed to fail, but has a deleterious effect on the individual. So Tim Refot talks about this, and I, I, I'm so bad. I, I apologize for forgetting her name. I'm usually pretty good with names. She said the same thing. It's the tree of life without four gates. Okay, so, and I'm not here to diss human design, but human design is, is based on the Kabbalah. And if there are four gates missing from the tree of life for public consumption, that's also going to cross over into human design. And it would be interesting to figure out where those four gates are. Because when you look at the the tree of life, it it looks, you know, fairly symmetrical, right? Here, 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 and up here. Where do those four gates go? And if they could be inserted into that that um, that model where would it show up in human design this is a this is a job for benito benito if you're listening you can get on this and figure this shit out so that's another part of the story your your madonna and her uh kabbalah crew are practicing and using a model that is not complete and the people that are teaching them know that according to tim refot and again if it's true those four gates aren't there it's incomplete so how does that affect a person i mean when you get into this stuff like you're playing with really serious energies in if it's an incomplete model, then you're probably open to other influences and potential havoc that may not just, just may not be there if you had the other, right? I mean, you know, you know what I'm saying? So that's another part of the Madonna story is the deep involvement in Kabbalah and Kabbalah being, again, based on some of these things, an incomplete system. You know, it's like, it's like a, one one product inversion for the uh, the goys and maybe another product inversion for the uh, select or the elite. It's an interesting thing to ponder. So now a lot of this is starting to stack up with Madonna. The other thing about Madonna is that, and I and I've looked into this, and it's interesting that both Madonna and Angelina Jolie are being hospitalized at the same time. 
You want to know why? They're related to, through the same bloodline. So Madonna, Angelina Jolie, Celine Dion, and uh, I always forget the other chick's name. Um, Canadian. The, she, she was uh, Shania Twain. And I'll tell you who else is in the bloodline mix. Hillary Clinton. They're all related. They are all, and if you look at kind of, you know, where they're located, they're all kind of in the same area with the exception of Angelina Jolie, whose mother is French, but she's an important link in the bloodline. So you have Madonna from Ann Arbor, Michigan. You have Shania Twain from Canada. You have Celine Dion from Canada. And then you have um, Hillary Clinton, who for the most part is raised in the Illinois area, if I'm not mistaken, which is not far from Michigan. So geographically, they're all in the, in the same area. And the, the, uh, the bloodline that they're connected to is something called the Kings of Navarre, N-A-V-A-R-R-E. So they all share the same bloodline. I think it's interesting. Okay. Look at Celine Dion. Like she's probably probably just completely out of commission now. She's got this weird disease where she's just stiffening up, right? Um, and then you have Angelina Jolie, who supposedly has this cancer thing. And then now you have Madonna, who's down and out and intimate. I had actually heard that Hillary Clinton, whatever version of Hillary this is, I heard that she was not doing well. If I was Shania Twain, man, I, I, I'd be dousing myself with holy water every day, right? Because if she's part of that bloodline, Shania Twain to me seems very innocent. She just seems innocent to me. You know, she's kind of a Canadian country girl and with, you know, good looks and a good voice. And then she's spotted by Mutt Lang and she's, I'm, baby, I'm going to turn you into a star. Who's this? This is somebody from Asheville, North Carolina. Should I answer the call? Let's see. I had to, uh, I had to cut that off a little bit because we're getting to personal territory. In fact, I'm even go back and snip out part of that uh, little name there in the editing process. Anyway, sometimes I have to get the phone. Um, so yeah, I mean, isn't that wild? I mean, if, again, if you look at the the people in the bloodline, they're dropping like flies. Interesting. Um, let's just see what's going on with them. Um, because I've read something about Hillary Clinton, whoever whoever Hillary is, whatever she is at this point. But they're all related. This was back in my bloodline research days. Any news for Hillary Clinton? Let's see. Um, anonymous Disney Imagineer purportedly confirmed Donald Trump animatronic is Hillary Clinton. I have no idea what that means. 
Ron DeSantis criticizes Donald Trump for failing on his promise to imprison Hillary Clinton. I have no idea about this. Uh, all right. Do you guys know about this with uh, Trump and Hillary? This is bizarre. Here, let me show this to you. Oh, hold on. That's not it. There we go. Here it is. Imagineer confirms awful Donald Trump animatronic is actually Hillary Clinton. Ever since it was revealed, audience have commented that the Donald Trump animatronic in the Hall of Presidents looks off. Leading to a theory is initially intended to be Hillary Clinton. According to an anonymous Walt Disney Imagineer, that's precisely what happened. One of the opening attractions for the Magic Kingdom at Walt Disney World, the Hall of Presidents, was one of Walt Disney's original attractions planned for Disneyland, but it never came to fruition. However, once Disney Imagineers conceived Liberty Square for the new park instead of New Orleans Square, it seemed like a natural fit. The Hall of Presidents is constantly changing with some of the highest quality animatronics in theme park history. So here we go. This is fucking an now deleted tweet. Former host of the Reply All podcast, Alex Goodman, postulated the theory that the Donald Trump animatronic in the Hall of Presidents at Magic Kingdom in Walt Disney World was originally supposed to be Hillary Clinton. I'm not a phrenologist or anything, but there's something uniquely Hillary-esque about Robo Donald's face. It's especially apparent in the eyes, which feel much brighter and more open than Trump's typically are, and around the mouth. That is just so fucking bizarre. That is bizarre. That is just so weird. I, I'm not even sure where to go with this. Like, that doesn't even fucking look like Trump. Like, couldn't they have just waited and, and uh, you know, did it right, did it correctly? So there you go. There's your Hillary Clinton news. The Hillary Clinton's really Donald Trump, or Donald Trump's really Hillary Clinton. It's such a Aquarian kind of thing to do. Did that happen with Pluto and Aquarius? Let's just see here. June 28th, 2023. These are headlines, man. It's right here, right now. Happening right now. That's, that's really bizarre. When did, I, I don't know when it went live. But um, I'm assuming that it went live with Pluto and Aquarius. It just feels 
right? Like, you know, Trump was not supposed to win that election. Hillary was supposed to win that election. And Trump's hackers were better than Hillary's hackers. That's why she was so pissed off. And they may, so the weird thing about that election is that she had pulled all of her, um, you know, celebration stuff a couple of days before the election. Now, if that's true, then she would have known. But her reaction post-election was insane. Apparently, she was throwing, like, champagne bottles across the room and shit. Like, she was really fucking pissed. Really pissed. So the math doesn't really add up. I mean, I'm not sure why they they pulled the staging for the celebration stuff. Or maybe they said, hey, look, we're just going to put it off to the side for now. We think it's going to be a really close race. Maybe that was really what happened. Um, but I don't think Trump was supposed to win. And we've talked about this before. No way. No way. No how. Because he was startled. You can just tell the guy was fucking startled. And Trump's never at a loss for words, but he was kind of at a loss for words. And Hillary and Bill were seething. Seething. Okay, I'm going to finish up with this uh, story, which I think was pretty interesting. Uh, let me go here. So we introduced... Uh, the pizza warrior yesterday. Well, the pizza warrior is, warrior is back. And he's planning an epic speech. And let me see if I can find it here. Let's see, what do we got? Let me see what we've got. Here it is, right here. All right. Scott Lobido. I'd like to interview this guy. Now, remember, he considers himself uh, a mega artist. And the pizza thing was uh, performance art. So this is Scott's latest video. And um, and I have some commentary afterwards. Let's check it out. Now, I hate posting important things in the same fucking day. But this is relevant to my post earlier. I want everybody, even you on the left, even you gay folks, you folks in the alphabet community, all of you, conservatives, liberals, I want everybody to look at this photograph. It's historical. It is so powerful. 
Look at it. Don't look away. Do you see this child, six, seven years old? And do you see this? And do you see this fucker, this adult, who walks by and allows these children to see this shit? If I was walking past the school on the other side of the street and I had to scratch my balls because I had an itch with my pants on, I'd be in fucking jail and I'd have a stamp as a fucking pedophile. How the fuck are any of you, straight, black, white, gay, or any indifference, whatever the fuck you are as a human being, in society, you look away from that. Or you don't do anything about this. How the fuck am I the only one pissed off at this? Many people are, but what are you doing? Nothing. Let me tell you something, people. You know me a long time. And this weekend, Tuesday, is Independence Day, the 4th of July. And this weekend, Friday or Saturday, I'm going to go somewhere in public with a microphone and I am going to make the speech of a lifetime. And that speech better fire you people up. Because after this 4th of July, our independence from tyranny, for freedom, I want you all to change your fucking ways. I want this revolution to end this battle of evil and good on 4th of July and soon after. This is our shining moment. If you agree that this is okay, you motherfucker are on the wrong side of history and you're gonna fucking lose. Mark my fucking words. I love this guy. Scott Lobito. By the way, that's what you call uh, the Trudeau to Darius. One man. One man with fire and passion. He's a fire starter. Guy's a fire starter. I don't know anything about him. Looks like he's an artist. It's interesting. He's got like, you know, shit tattooed on his hands, whatever, right? No judgment there. But that dude's impassioned. And he's not going to take it anymore. He's not going to take it. And don't be surprised if people follow suit. And the next thing you know, we are dealing with uh, these revolutionary forces inside of our own system. And I would say, to, to be clear, they would be counter-revolutionary forces because we're already dealing with the revolutionary forces. You know, they were all over that in 2020. That's when they decided that they were going to go all in, right? So now we're in the counter-revolution. And uh, Scott Lobito seems to be our Paul Revere. And I always love 
a good New York version of fucka. Fucka. Fuck you. Right. I love that, man. New York, oh, not even Bostonians can, can manage the fuck you in the same way. No, that's that is a New York trademark. So Scott Lobito will be on the radar. It's too bad that Jason Whitlock took the last two weeks off or next two weeks off. He'd be a great guest. He'd be an awesome guest. But uh, maybe we can get him on as a guest. I'll see if I can do that. I'll DM him. All right. The only other order of business today is to wish Emily Moyer a very happy birthday. Today is the M girl's uh, 30th birthday. So, Emily, we wish you a wonderful and great day. And uh, many, 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 many more. And maybe one of these days you and I will do another show together. And I would love, I would love that and look forward to that. So there you go. That's it. We'll be back tomorrow over on the uh, Friday forecast side with the great Russ Winter. The great Russ Winter. And uh, we're going to be talking about some interesting things. Presidents, candidacy, time travel. Mm-hmm. That'd be interesting. Russ kind of going into the X file side of things. I love that shit. All right. Thanks for being here. Um, don't forget to support my buddy Chris. He's got a great sale going on. All you got to do is um it's 20% off of everything. So if you uh wanted to uh you know. If you're watching your budget, and you go, ah, I really can't afford to get into the CBD side of things. But today's your day. Actually, it starts in July, July 4th. But nonetheless, you can um, avail yourself of a great deal over at um, True Hemp Science. And what do you got to do? You just got to type in J4. Just type in J4, 20% off. That's all you got to do. Don't miss out. 20% off of your... Uh, all your Trium Science products. And then it uh, ends on uh, July 4th at midnight. Starts on Saturday. Supposedly. But maybe you might be able to get a, a head start. There you go. All right. Thank you, Chatari. You're the best. For myself, Jasper, Peachy, Pippin, Max. We wish you all a great day. Um, use your head in order to determine it's real, your heart to seven what's possible. Take good care and bye for now.